Good morning. It's 830 on Monday, April 11th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a top-to-bottom recap of this year's legislative session. Then, Judge Constance Slaughter Harvey reacts to Katanji Brown-Jackson's Supreme Court confirmation. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. And just an update, we are having a technical problem with some of our breaks. And so please bear with us if you do hear some dead air. We are still here. Last week, Mississippi lawmakers closed the book on one of the busiest legislative sessions in recent history. MPB's reporter, Kobe Vance, joins us now to recap all that's happened within the past three months. We begin with the first major measure measure the legislature passed this year, a bill to legalize medical marijuana. A large majority of Mississippians voted to adopt Initiative 65 uh, back during the 2020 election. And only a few months later, that was overturned by the state uh, Supreme Court because the courts deemed the state's ballot initiative process unconstitutional. Because of that, lawmakers saw that there was a demand across the state by the majority of districts to get a program set in place. Um, So whenever they came back in, um, they they really had been talking about this all summer. They had a bill that had been planned out and planned out. Many lawmakers had anticipated the governor would call a special session of the legislature to actually go ahead and move forward with this. But the uh, restrictions on how much marijuana somebody could purchase within a week was something the governor never came to a full agreement with before the session started. So whenever lawmakers came back to the Capitol, this was something they already had a bill uh, pretty much laid out for. Uh, something that many lawmakers had had a chance to really look into. And so once they came in, uh, they were able to turn that bill back around and get final adjustments made. Uh, They reduced limits a little bit more to try to accommodate for the governor, and then they got that bill passed. Okay, and that bill was signed into law by the governor. Critical race theory. Republicans in the state legislature were behind this bill wholeheartedly. Tell us about that. Republican lawmakers claim that they got phone calls from across their districts about parents that were concerned about this being taught in schools. However, none of those claims have been backed up. None of those claims have been proven. So when they brought this to the floor, they had a lot of pushback from black lawmakers. The biggest concern was this bill does not specifically eliminate the teaching of critical race theory in Mississippi. What it truly does is it sets in place restrictions that no college, university, or K-12 school can teach that any sex, race, ethnicity, religion, or other factors are are considered superior or inferior to others. And so that created conflicts for lawmakers that were against this to, to begin with. Now you're facing something that if a teacher f- teaches something that you know parents feel could make their child feel inferior or superior, they could report that to the district and the district can restrict that teacher from teaching that again or put penalties on the teacher for teaching it at all. Governor Reeves signed a major income tax cut that took the whole session for both chambers to reach an agreement on. Why did it take so long and what were the problems that they saw in it? The major two things were 
just fundamental differences on between the two chambers. The House was dedicated to eliminating state income tax, along with what the governor wanted. Um, however, they were re- they were prepared to raise other taxes originally to try to balance out state budgets, whereas the Senate was willing to make limited cuts, um, cut only a portion of the state income tax, but they would not raise any additional taxes. And now there were other taxes being cut in both of these bills originally, such as grocery tax in the House plan and in the, in the Senate plan, they were uh, going to potentially eliminate the gas tax for a period of time. How did it end up, ultimately, the bill that the governor signed? Well, as the session went on, um, we saw the both both parties came together, and they had presented maybe about five plans each at this point. And the Legislative Budget, budget Office met for um, a meeting to address what state budgets will look like next year. And the state economist basically laid out something that state budgets are going to exceed what was originally projected before the legislative session started. And so with that new information, lawmakers came together the next day on a Saturday, and they basically hashed out a plan that would eliminate one-third of state income tax, but not eliminate any other taxes for now. Extending Medicaid postpartum, that was another one that seemed to... um, be controversial. The Senate wanted it, but House Speaker Philip Gunn didn't want it. So when it got to the House, it made it out of the Medicaid committee, but he wouldn't allow a vote on the floor. Is that correct? Yes. Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman claimed that he does not see this as a Medicaid problem. He sees this as a problem for protecting you know, mothers and children in Mississippi. However, Speaker of the House Philip Gunn says that He only sees this as a Medicaid problem. He does not want to extend any Medicaid benefits. Um, He sees this as keeping people on for longer than they need to be, and he would prefer that that did not go through. And so while the Senate passed this almost unanimously with five votes against, the House did not bring it up on the floor, and it died on the calendar. There were attempts to revive it at the end of the session. However, those attempts were not successful. One thing that did come out that a lot of folks were on board with was teacher pay raises. This is being called the biggest teacher pay raise in state history, but former Governor Ray Mabus says his administration actually passed a bigger pay raise, but this one that was just passed on average would give teachers, bump them up 5000 and teacher assistants up 2000 Yes. Um, so back in the 80s, the state did pass a substantial uh, change for education. However, this new one is jumping Mississippi substantially forward in national rankings. Currently, we are at the bottom of both the regional and national averages. However, this is going to take us up to um, near the top of the regional average and about middle of the pack for the national average, above average at least. And so while it, I am unsure of the specifics as if, if this is a bigger pay raise compared to the one passed in the 80s, I do see this as something that was that is going to make Mississippi education a lot more appealing to teachers who are looking to either come to Mississippi to teach, um, who want to stay in Mississippi to teach, or who want to continue their profession in Mississippi currently teaching. 
Moving on, we're talking about the $1.8 billion in COVID-19 federal relief funds. That seemed to be dragged out, even though the Senate started early with having hearings before the start of the session. They had a bill ready to go, but the House seemed to wait much longer to come up with what they thought would be a plan, a good use for the money. Where does it stand on how the state is planning to use that $1.8 billion? Lawmakers came to the Capitol. I think most of them had a plan for how they were going to spend this funding. However, after there began heated debates over tax cuts, allegedly the Speaker of the House began to sideline those conversations. And so this got pushed back and back and back. And so this was only addressed within the last uh, week and a half of the session. Where is that money going to be used? How is it going to be used? About half of the funding is going to water improvement projects across the state, either rural through the Department of Health or otherwise through the Department of Environmental Quality. And so a lot of that is going to be going to improving like water systems, sewage, um, things that have been outdated for decades. And then also we're going to be seeing a lot of uh, money funding going to hospitals that have been uh, have limited staff or they need extra beds and supplies uh, that have been, you know, facing many difficulties throughout the pandemic. Looking ahead to next year's legislative session and speaking with the senators and the representatives, were there any issues that they said they were going to revisit that would be coming back up again? The primary one that everybody wants to revisit in either chamber and in either party, is the ballot initiative process. Lawmakers could not come to an agreement on how they wanted to do that. Senate Republican lawmakers proposed a plan that would take this, uh, take the ballot initiative process, and would make it in a would codify it, so they would no longer become uh, state amendments, as you know, Initiative sixty five would have been, or as um, voter ID is currently. They would become like just state law, and they could be amended by lawmakers down the line without having to have an additional vote of the people. And another thing they were wanting is in the Senate, they felt that the bar for entry uh, for gathering senators was too low. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Hoseman says that the current aspect allows outside parties to be able to fund signature gathering processes, and that was allowing influence outside of the state to be able to influence Mississippi policy. And so he wanted to raise that from 12% of the people that voted in the previous gubernatorial election all the way to 12% of all voters. And the House took issue with that. The House was saying that that's just a too high of a bar to match, and it would be likely that nobody would be able to do that in a reasonable amount of time. And so with those two issues, uh, they were never able to come to agreement at all on that. Another issue would have been Medicaid expansion. Again, postpartum Medicaid was one that the Senate was able to take up pretty quickly and pass. However, the House did not ever address that. Again, going back to our conversation earlier, Speaker of the House was refusing to take up any measure that had to do with postpartum Medicaid. Well, Kobe, thank you for all that you have done. I know uh, covering the legislature is hard work, and we appreciate you bringing us the stories of the day throughout the legislative session. Always glad to help the people of Mississippi. Still ahead, Judge Constance Slaughter Harvey reacts to Katanji Brown-Jackson's being confirmed to the U.S. Supreme Court. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. 
Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Last week, the U.S. Supreme, or rather the U.S. Senate, voted to confirm Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson to the U.S. Supreme Court. Jackson earned the support of every Senate Democrat, as well as that of Republicans Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, and Mitt Romney. She becomes the first black woman to serve at the highest level of the judicial branch of American government. The historic event isn't lost on Judge Constance Slaughter Harvey, who's a legal trailblazer herself. In 1970, she became the first black woman to graduate from the University of Mississippi School of Law. She went on to become the first black female judge in the state. Slaughter Harvey tells us Jackson's appointment is a long time coming say that it's historic, to, to say the least. Obviously, her appointment brings um, intellect and obviously integrity and what I consider real diversity to the high court. It took a long time to get here. It, it certainly did, and I think of her role model, Constance Baker Motley, who was the first African-American female federal judge and who was the first African-American female to appear and argue before the Supreme Court, United States Supreme Court. And I was pleased to see that Supreme Court Justice Tanji Brown Jackson stood on the shoulders of Constance Baker Motley and that she paid tribute to the courage and strength that it took for her mentor and role model to survive. That made me feel so very, very happy. When President Biden announced that he was going to nominate an African-American woman, there was a lot of pushback on that um, in some quarters. Do you think that he should have just said, well, I'm going to make a nomination and, and not talk about who it would be, although he did in his campaign say that same thing. I don't think the apologies are in order. In fact, I think he needs to be congratulated. For 200-some years, uh, black women have played an integral role in making this country what it should be, not what it is. And, I, you know, I applaud his... his um, he was just great to do that because he knows what needs to happen to make this country what it should be. Uh, so I'm just delighted. In your estimation, what does Judge Brown-Jackson bring to the U.S. Supreme Court? Well, first of all, she's brilliant. Secondly, she's capable of walking through the lion's den and coming out just as she was when she went in. She's capable of withstanding bullying from the pulpit. She's capable of displaying the best there is in this country. I, when I watched the confirmation hearings, I cried. And I cried for her 
because I understand and I felt the same disrespect, callousness from serpent's venom when I went to the University of Mississippi School of Law and when I started practicing law before judges here in Mississippi. It was deja vu. But her reaction was different from mine. And I I wanted to just jump up and say, let me take care of them. Don't let them interrupt you. Demand respect. I was taught that if you want respect, you give respect. And common decency requires that you respect others. But she was able to, to maintain her comfort, her coolness. And I, I, I had to stop crying because the same foot that was on my neck and the neck of other black women was on her neck. And, and that was 50 years ago. So I thought about what I always say when I see racism, sexism, or classism rise. I always say it, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Supreme Court nominations, Supreme Court confirmation hearings recently have become very contentious. Mm-hmm. This is a pattern that we're going to see constantly uh, because some Republicans felt like they were treating Judge Brown Jackson the way that Justice Amy Coney Barrett and Justice Kavanaugh were treated. I watch those hearings off and on. I don't remember anybody just interrupting and just being consistently um, mean-spirited. I saw them, the, the Democrats, wanting specific answers. But I didn't see the bullying and the total disrespect and an air of ignorance with any of those hearings. I think that anyone who watched all of the hearings, and I watched the Clarence Thomas hearing and the board hearing, anyone who watched all of those hearings, including this one, would have to agree that this was most unusual. I don't think I've ever seen anybody stomp out, walk out, or slam a book down. I, I don't think I've ever seen that. And, and so, yeah, I, I, I think this was obviously different. And I think that anyone who says that it was not different is not dealing with reality. We now have Katanji Brown-Jackson being confirmed to the Supreme Court but it's still a conservative majority. For those who feel like they want a different trend in the U.S. Supreme Court, is there room for hope, or it still remains as it is right now, basically in terms of the the baseline, so to speak? I am always hopeful and optimistic. She is such a force, a quiet force, that she can quietly start a revolution, a mental revolution, and encourage people and even convince people 
of a different political persuasion to look at it from a different perspective. And I think that she probably is the only one on the court to do that. And because she is an African-American, because she's been a public defender, people would perceive that she would have that bias. I don't think it's a bias, but some people call it a bias. But she's also been a prosecutor. And I think if that if that bench is going to change, only she can do that. And it's obvious from the manner in which she responded during the confirmation hearings that she's a tough woman. And her arguments are very sensible, albeit something that the Supreme Court has never had to deal with. I think she's going to bring on a different perspective that will require some of the justices to listen as opposed to constantly talking. And remember Justice Black and several other justices who were who were appointed, confirmed and appointed. Uh, they were able to change, albeit slowly, some of the other justices. So I think she's capable of doing that. I don't expect anything to come right away. But I do think that she will, her, her presence and her intellect and her experience will obviously bring to the Supreme Court a different song. I don't expect things to change overnight. But, you know, when you go in, you have to lay your foundation and do it properly in order for a house to withstand a storm. And I think that's what, that's her role. Judge Constance Slaughter Harvey, thank you so much for providing your insight and your perspective on this historic event. You are quite welcome, and as always, I appreciate talking with you, and I wish you well, and I'm very proud of you, too, because I know what you have to go through and what you've gone through, so I'm proud of you. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Stick around for a full morning of Mississippi Radio. Coming up at 9, it's Deep South Dining. Then at 10, it's Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey. And at 11, don't miss Southern Remedy. Find past installments of this and other Think Radio shows online at mpbonline.org. I'm Desiree Frazier. Join us tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi Edition only on MPB Think Radio. Radio. Be careful on the roads today.